you don't have to be having a crisis in order to seek out help. You can, you know, work on your mental game and that the mind like it is a muscle. Train that mental muscle almost like the same way you train a physical muscle. I think it's amazing the awareness that's being brought to mental health and what is mental health. Let's remove the stigma. And it's really from this generation of student athletes. And that really excites me. Welcome to United Conversations for Student-Athletes, a Holinsky's Hope-powered podcast supporting the mental health of student-athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. Everybody knows I get excited when we have an athlete that comes on and shares their story, and it's really inspiring when an athlete shares their story about how the work they're doing now to impact the space of mental health, especially for athletes, was inspired by their own experiences. Christina Vandenberg is the CEO and co-founder of My Huddle. I think this is a company that people are going to be hearing more and more about as we move into the future. This is an online platform that helps athletic departments provide sport counseling to its student athletes. Athletic departments are really struggling to figure out how to best meet the overwhelming demand for mental health support by its athletes. So this is one way, a creative way, that's being offered to help athletic departments meet this need and support athletes in well-being and mental health. So My Huddle provides a team of top sport counselors who connect with student athletes via video and text. Christina started My Huddle inspired by her own experience as a D1 athlete, and she really wanted to improve access to mental health support for young athletes. Before My Huddle, she spent a decade working in strategy and growth roles at Fortune 500 companies and fast-growing startups, and she completed her MBA at Stanford. Today, she's living in Colorado with her husband and co-founder, Curtis, and their one-year-old daughter, Haley. She's really doing a lot in this space to offer some creative and forward-thinking solutions to athletic departments that are working to support the wellness and mental health of their athletes. So I'm excited. Let's get going with today's conversation with Christina Vandenberg. Christina, welcome to United. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to meet on this forum because we chatted quite a bit about the work that you're doing now. And uh, so this is cool for me to be able to pick your brain and hear more from you. Oh, thank you. Well, Dr. Nicholson, I think you are fantastic and was really honored to have you invite me on. Absolutely. And you are busy at work with my huddle. And we recently had Stephen Fahey on talking about his experiences and that was really cool. So now Christina, where are you? You're in Colorado right now. I am. Yes. Uh, We moved to Colorado outside of Denver just earlier this year. And before that we were in Los Angeles. So uh, yeah, closer to the mountains. Here we are. LA to Colorado. That is quite the difference. So outside of Denver, what town? It's called Golden. Um, Yeah. 
Uh, oh, you know what? Okay, great. Well, yeah. I lived in Fort Collins. I did my internship at CSU in Fort Collins. So, you know, wanted to visit all around and Golden is where Coors is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how most people know it. It's only a town of about 20,000 people, but it's right outside Denver, just 15, 20 minutes outside. So we kind of wanted that small town feel with the larger city access. Such beautiful weather and everything like that. So I'm glad you're there because, you know, it's such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you're doing such awesome stuff with my huddle, which we are going to talk about. But I wanted to hear from you like what your story was and what inspired you to get into this space. So I'll ask you like I ask other people. So Christina, what's your story? Ooh, my story. Well, happy to, happy to share a bit. And hopefully my story can be helpful to, to others and you know, inspire others to be an advocate for athlete mental health and join us in this, in this fight. So yeah, I, I was a former student athlete. I played D1 soccer at Harvard and somehow they let me in. <laughs> um, and I, you know, growing up, I was that kid playing soccer every day, just totally obsessed with it. It really was my identity. And I, you know, got to got through high school playing at on the top teams, playing at the national level and really decided to to try to pursue an Ivy League school uh, for the combination of, of still D1, but also academic focus. And Harvard was an amazing fit for me uh, for that. But I got there on campus freshman year and had such an imposter syndrome, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, suddenly I'm surrounded by all these amazing people. Who am I to be here? And that freshman year transition was really hard. And I know it's hard for a lot of uh, a lot of college students in, in general and, and specifically for student athletes, because you go from being the best, you know, on your club team or high school to being at the bottom of the totem pole. And it might be the first time you really feel like you're failing, you know, whether that's in the classroom or on the sports field. And I definitely experienced that. I mean, my team, a team collectively, I think we we had a losing season my first year and that was really hard for me. I was a forward and I think I scored maybe one goal. <laughs> it was pretty depressing uh, season to say the least. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of times thought about quitting that first year, you know, you know, gosh, I'm not good at this, right? This is supposed to be what I'm good at. And I'm, I'm not. Fortunately, I had an amazing group of teammates, supportive roommates, and they helped pull me through that. Um, and also supportive coaches uh, back home that because we our our coaching team went through a transition also. So that was another uh, hurdle to to overcome. But I was fortunate to have that. And, you know, I really had a spot, you know, performance was pretty terrible uh, freshman, sophomore year. But fortunately, on the performance side of things, for me, a lot of it was around confidence. And I just wasn't confident, you know, I would pass the ball instead of going to goal. And I would be, you know, if you probably analyze my self-talk, which, you know, I wish I had Dr. Nicholson there with me <laughs> to do that. It probably was completely, you know, downputting and not productive. And afraid to make uh, a mistake. Right. I was totally scared. And so it took really until junior year for me to build up that confidence, which I think came just through trial and error and grinding through it and 
having teammates, you know, pick me up. And junior year was a breakout year for me personally, in terms of being being top scorer on the team, our team helped lead my team to Ivy League championship, which was amazing turnaround from our prior two years. And so much of that was the mental side because we were not, you know, on a player by player basis, the most talented team, uh, but we were gritty and we were hungry and we had a fight in us that we're just not going to give up. And I learned so much through that painful growth experience that it, you know, the biggest thing is it taught me that you can, you can, you know, work on your mental game and that the mind, like it is a muscle it takes time. It takes patience. And uh, that's, that's now what I want to impart to other student athletes to know that they can, you know, overcome those, those setbacks proactively work on their mental uh, well-being. And then fast forward to senior year, I suffered an injury at the start. And I thought my oh. senior year was going to be this amazing, you know, final year for me. And it completely was not the year that I expected and it just goes to show that you you can't stop proactively working on your mental strategies and your mental health because I went through a really hard time that senior year. I was completely overwhelmed, stressed out. And I know I'm not, I was not alone in, in feeling that. We know 30% of NCAA athletes report feeling overwhelmed constantly or most every day. I mean, that is a huge percentage. And that that's just the ones that report it. Right, right, right. And that that's, that's, again, saying constantly or most every day. I mean, what about even two times a week? That, right. That's still a lot, right, to feel completely overwhelmed. You know, I had through that experience of, you know, college, you're just growing, you're, you're, there's so much that you're going through. I had roommate, um, Several teammates go through serious eating disorders. Several teammates have ACL or concussion injuries. You know, a roommate even tried to commit suicide. I mean, and honestly, these were not, we kind of brushed them under the rug, right? Like, and I look back on that. I mean, like I was an adolescent trying to, you know, a young adult trying to navigate all of this. And I don't think I fully processed all that happened in that college time until, you know, a decade out and just realizing what an intense experience all of that was. But it definitely wasn't a time where people were talking a lot about mental health and educating athletes on, you know, hey, look out for this, or this isn't okay, or, you know, if things are doable, or you can make it through, that's not enough, like you should be better than fine, you know, like, there's not that's coming on recently. And that's really cool. But that was not so you say we brushed them on the rug. I mean, because nobody was talking about it. No, there was not a name for it, right? It was just, oh, I'm just dealing with something. <laughs> They're really and, and that's what I, you know, in some ways, makes me optimistic and hopeful is just I think it's amazing the awareness that's being brought to mental health and what is mental health, let's remove the stigma. And it's really from this generation of student athletes and a lot of the grassroots movements that are, you know, happening on campus. And that really excites me. It is really exciting. And I, th- I think about, um, so I went to this concert a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome. Shine down <laughs> if you're familiar with them. And if you're not, I highly recommend taking a Zen moment and going and checking them out. But they, in the middle of the concert, 
he was talking about mental health, the lead singer, and, and he was like, there's, why is there a stigma around it? And you should not feel embarrassed to ask for help when you're going through a human moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where we've come is that you say it was brushed on the rug because people were just like, well, I'm just going through something. And there was this mentality, everybody's going through something. And that phrase means something different now because it's like everybody is going through something. So we should normalize asking for help. Whereas it used to be everybody's going through something. So you got to learn to mm-hmm. figure it out because you're not special. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense? That does make sense. That is a shift. And I I don't blame anyone or I think it's just, we just needed time to recognize there's a difference in how to approach that and approach that in a more productive way. But yeah, when I was in college, it was just, okay, I'm just going to put my head down and deal with this. So (laughs) on we go. (laughs) But it's been later in life where I've gotten more exposure to you know, mental performance coaching and sports psychology and life coaches and business coaches and realize, you know, it's so powerful to have a champion in your corner and someone that you can talk to and who can be that resource for you. And that's what I'm now working on, making that more accessible to student athletes so that, um, you know, they have that earlier in their athletic journey and, um, don't necessarily have to go through the same struggles that I went through, uh, you know, when I was an athlete. Or maybe they will, but they won't go through it without support and without yeah. the normalization that you could ask for help. Yeah. And I think there's also been, uh, you know, ed- more education on this. And, and this is part of our mission at my huddle is just educating around. You don't have to be having a crisis in order to seek out help, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's the mental health continuum, there's a spectrum. And something that you and I have talked about is, yes, there's the mental performance side. So I want to work with someone to help me reach my full potential, um, uh, you know, improve my performance. Um, there's also general mental well-being, you know, preventative strategies for helping me work on my mental health, uh, things like meditation, mindfulness, goal setting, breathing exercises, you know, things that can help you, again, train that mental muscle, almost like the same way you train a physical muscle. And then there's a mental illness side, which, you know, how do we get ahead of that? How do we try to prevent those crises or, or help you still cope with that and and have productive strategies? And that's something that I just didn't understand until I really dove into this world that there's this whole continuum. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be sick and doesn't mean you're you're weak to to seek out help and 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 work you know in a more preventative proactive way I love that and you know that one of the analogies I've used to talk about it is I have ibuprofen in my cabinet at home and so sometimes I get a headache because I mean that's a human experience right and so I could sit there and say okay at what point if I have a headache do I take the ibuprofen? Do I need to wait until it turns into a migraine? You know, because then it would be bad enough for me to get the support in alleviating that pain. Or do I say, oh, this is a headache. Like I could, I could go through the day. Like I I would be fine. But again, 
I want student athletes to know that they deserve to be better than fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if there's like a counselor or even, and this is something I want to circle back with, with you, like even a mental performance coach that can give you some of those skills in your sport that are very, very transferable to helping you in life. Why wouldn't you, right? Why would you wait until it gets to a critical point, you know, Mm -hmm. to get that alleviating that pain? I'll build on your analogy because I like analogies too. So let's say it's like, okay, I should I should drink additional water, right? And and that's a strategy you could use to prevent your headache. Or, oh, maybe I should take a little nap because I'm feeling tired. Um, or maybe I should make sure I'm off my phone and off electronic devices for a little bit and just go for a, a walk outside. You know, those are tactics that you can do, healthy habits before it gets to, I have a, a raging headache. So yes. Yeah, that's a lot of what we think about, but it is different. I mean, it took me a while to think about that in the same way, right? We're we're more used to thinking about that in terms of our physical state, but the mental state, I, you know, I think it does take some time to think about it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's hard because it's not something you can see. And it's also something that, Yes, everybody has had their struggles and everybody's had ups and downs, but we can't have confidence when we're talking to somebody that they have experienced depression or this intense sense of loss around the death of a loved one. Like we we can't have that kind of confidence that people are going to be like, oh man, I've been there, you know? So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting in that way. But I wanted to circle back to something that you had mentioned at the beginning. So you said that you played soccer at Harvard and then um, you followed it with they let me in <laughs> and with you know jokingly because obviously like you know you belong there but and then you talked about imposter syndrome on the field so I'm wondering how that was similar in the classroom or how that was similar in your life mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, a lot of it relates to that confidence piece that I also mentioned was a struggle for me in in college. I think that really hit it hit ahead there. But yeah, I mean, that that imposter syndrome is is definitely something I experienced in college and, and yes, in the classroom. I mean, I think, yeah, I was just super intimidated by by being there. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I got in, but you know, okay you know, so much of my identity was still around being an athlete. And then, you know, that wasn't going well. And then classroom got my my first report card back. I'm like, Oh, that's not going so well. So, <laughs> um, but you know, in those moments, it, you have two choices, right? You you can give up, you can feel bad for yourself and, and say, okay, th- this is what I'm going to be, or you can find the things that you can control in that moment. You're right. I can control how hard I work. I can control how much time I'm putting into my academics. I can control, do I get enough sleep so that I can perform well? I tried to focus more on those things. And obviously it was a learning process. I'm not saying it was perfect or, you know, got it right, right away. But I, I think also once I saw that I could, for instance, perform in the classroom and that I was, you know, doing well around these other people that are supposed to be top in their top students coming in, it actually increased my confidence even more. So I would say I felt more confident graduating from Harvard because I'd been through that experience than when I was there, because I knew that I could hang with that type of, you know, crowd. 
um, and I wouldn't get left alone. But the, the you know, the transitioning in was really hard um, to, to reach yeah. that point. And I will say it's such a common experience for athletes that I see coming through making that transition and often not just the freshmen, but you know, now we have so many transfers and we actually probably should have said a little bit about what imposter syndrome is, but it's kind of that, that feeling like I don't belong. I got here by a fluke, you know? So I hear freshmen say, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they were thinking they were looking at somebody else when they were recruiting me, or maybe um, they came to some particularly good games and didn't really see the fullness of, of where I actually am. And everybody's so much better and because they often are comparing themselves to mm. seniors mm -hmm. <laughs> who have been playing right. at the college level for three years. So yeah, just that, that idea that like, okay, and I'm not saying you felt like this, but I got into Harvard maybe, you know, that was a fluke or, you know what I mean? Completely. So that Completely. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point about the, the, you know, toxic results of comparison. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. Actually, a fellow student yeah. once said that and I, to me, and I just love that quote because it, it really doesn't do you any good to compare. I mean, you have to know your own self and what you're working towards because, you can't be good at everything. And right. I think that was also, I remember just a lot of struggles around that at, at a place like Harvard and any, you know, institution, right. You're trying to be best on the field, trying best in the classroom, trying to be the best friend, best sister, best roommate. And, and it's just, it's a lot. And it's, if you compare yourself to people who are performing, you know, great in the classroom and then great on the field and then you know, you have to pick maybe two, two or three things that you're really going to focus on. And you have to say no to some things or say yes. Now I would say always say yes to the academics because yeah. that's going to, that's really what I think college is about and, and setting you up for the next step, whether that, you know, in your career. And, and so I'm a huge proponent of what I learned in sports, teaching me the skills and lessons that I brought into the professional world of my life beyond. And so I think that's always a message that I also try to impart to fellow athletes that I know so much of your identity and is a raptor in your sport, but, you know, let's also make sure we work on other facets of your life now so that you can, when you're making that transition out of the sport, it, it can help you realize that you're not, your sport is not what defines you. You know, you are, uh, holistic human being as well with uh, many talents but it's often hard to see that when you're spending so much time in your sport oh my gosh it really is I think the other thing and and you had kind of alluded to this experience as well like always playing on the top team and always being the best on the team because that's those are the players that go on to the d1 even d2 and d3 you know levels of whatever sport and it's average it's around two percent you know that go on to play at the college level and so looking at um <laughs> you get in this mindset that in order to be good you have to be the best mm -hmm. and it is so hard for athletes to wrap themselves their minds around the fact that you don't have to be the best to be really good and you don't have to be the best to be your best mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I like that. And that's really hard. Yeah. 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 It's it's really hard, especially in a sports culture where, you know, wins are celebrated and highlighted and the stories that we see in the news are that. But I, I love the stories of the person overcoming the setback or, you know, the underdog story and the person being resilient through through those times, uh, regardless. So I hope that we can highlight more of those stories to help our this next generation of athletes. Absolutely. I love the stories. I love the stories that are like, look how awesome this person is and what a beautiful presence they are in the world and the change that they're impacting like yourself. And it's not because they were the best in their sport. I was wondering about that when you had this great junior year and you thought it was going to be one thing your senior year and then you know you get injured and where did you find your value like where did you uh, how did you cope with that right I mean it it touches on what we were just speaking about because in some ways I was most proud of myself my senior year and the behavior that I had and the way that I had to find to lead, even though I wasn't on the field, it was a really humbling experience. Um, but I, we won the Ivy league as well, my senior year. And it wasn't because of my performance on the field because I wasn't there, but it was the, you know, those moments I was speaking to the underclassmen after practice saying, Hey, I get what you're going through. Stick with this. You're really talented. It's those side conversations. It's the conversations I had with my coach representing you know, what our teammates, what my teammates wanted. And it was the cheers on the sidelines, on the bench. It was those moments training with the fellow injured athletes and saying, okay, we're going to do this when when no one is watching, right? We're going to do, do some extra biking and lifting when no one is watching. So I think, yeah, it was a humbling experience, but it taught me so much about leadership that I'm really grateful actually for that experience. I think it changed the way that I think about leadership and think about being a a true team member. Yeah. And you're using that now. Trying to. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, because you're kind of looking to blaze these trails and lead in the space of helping student athletes, would you say have a better experience than you did? I don't, again, I'll, I'll say, I don't, I don't think it's a comparison per se. I think it, yeah, yeah just get the best experience that you can have, right? Whatever your mm-hmm. experience is, there's no definition of a great experience. It's not defined by winning. It's not defined. Yeah. By your personal success. It's just, what do you want out of your college athletic experience? And that can look different to different people. I mean, I had some te- teammates who played for two years, you know, quit the sport and and that's so that they could go and focus more on other hobbies in college. And, yeah. you know, they had an amazing four years, you know, so I, I don't want to define what that, that looks like. I think for me, what I care about is just making sure that athletes have the mental support that they need. And that can take different forms, but I just, I don't want athletes to feel like they're dealing with issues alone and, mm feel that and schools to feel like they have to wait until a crisis moment to take action. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the phrases that I use a lot when I talk about sports psychology and performance work and performance psychology. My job is to help athletes when I talk about the performance 
work that I do. I want athletes to have the resources to be the best that they want to be. So I never say like, be the best that you can be, Mm. because I think people have this idea of what that means. Mm. And when you say the best that you want to be, Mm. I want to normalize that maybe this is as far as you want to go with your sport and you want to take the skills and you want to take the personality traits and the characteristics that have been built by playing the sport into another area of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that shift in the want to be, it gives you agency to decide what your journey looks like and not have it be defined by other people. So I like that. Well, growing up athletes that are really good once they show potential, I think they get bombarded by messages about what they should become. Mm. Like you're good, you're good enough to play at the D one level as if that's what you should want. Mm -hmm. And there's no, like, I mean, it's okay if you don't want to do that, but it's like, no, because you could do that. You should want to do that. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's hard to know that it's hard to know what you want. and, And especially when you're getting pressure from, you know, adults or this image of what you should be doing. And so I, I hope that we can do more to expose younger athletes about different paths and different, what success looks like in in different ways, right? There's not one definition of that. I think that would be really awesome to give more exposure to that because I just don't think you get a lot of that today as, as a, you know, as a student. Yeah. It kind of hurts when, athletes come to me and they say, well, I'm just not performing as well as I should be or as, you know, well as I Mm -hmm. know I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, are you performing as well as you want to be? Like, you know, and usually the answer is yes, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But I want them to be able to decide that rather than a coach saying like, you're capable of so much more. I want them to say, I want so much more, Mm. you know, and there's a shame and a stigma around saying, uh, I really don't. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Knowing, knowing yourself and knowing what your goals are is so important. And it's amazing the work that you do with student athletes to help them uncover that. And that's why I think it's so powerful, right? Because it's hard to get that perspective when you're just looking oh at yourself. God. Right. I mean, it's, it's so powerful to have a sounding board someone who's worked with a lot of different student athletes, you've seen multiple athletes go through this. So you're not seeing it for the first time, right? Which you're going through that experience. You are. So that's why I really believe in the type of work that you do and, you know, the team that you're, that you've built at Ole Miss and the impact that it can have uh, for students. Yes. And the space that you're building to increase the access, because I, I work at a place, I'm so grateful for the resources that we have here where I work. And I know that's not everywhere, you know, even when, when it comes down to buy-in, right? Like, you know, our administrators were in many schools, the administrators are working really, really hard to prioritize access to mental health and, you know, the performance side as well, because there is such, they are so intertwined for athletes but that's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful that my huddle is looking at, okay, so how can we increase not just the access, but the buy-in? 
Totally. I, I think that's really well said and, and definitely want to highlight that what I've observed is right. The, the recognition and awareness is there. And now we need to work on the solutions that actually are effective, impactful, and that work within the realities of a college athletic department budget and resources. So many college athletic leaders that I've talked to, you know, they care, they want to do more, but they feel stuck. They feel stuck because they can't get the hiring headcount. They can't get the budget that they need. And that is the problem that my huddle is solving. How can we make sports counseling accessible to student athletes and make it work with the realities of a college athletic department and not give additional hiring headaches and time burdens that, you know, already plates are really full uh, with all like everything that has to be managed to make a college athletic department works smoothly and all the teams and coaching and staffing already. So that's the problem that we are solving and all in the spirit of making that mental support, you know, accessible to student athletes right at their fingertips and make it approachable to them. Because what we hear from student athletes is that they don't want to go to the campus counseling center um, even though it's a resource for available to all students, because they don't feel that they, the, that, that always that they get them, that they get the student athlete experience, or they may go, but the wait times can be really long already. You know, mm-hmm. Campus counseling centers, they are doing their best. They are overburdened right now with, you know, what we're mental health crisis that we're facing in this country. And so we want to be that solution, like helping alleviate some of that burden and really designing a, a service that's designed for student athletes that understands the unique challenges that they face and, you know, can be that relatable support system for them. Yes. So tell me what my huddle is. So that is what it is um, in terms of aspiration, goal, yeah. mission and purpose. And then when it comes down to nuts and bolts and in your hand, what does that look like? So we work with colleges and schools to provide our roster of sports counselors and make them available to their student athletes via video and text. And so instead of having to schedule in-person appointments, instead of having to work within a nine to five schedule, our sports counselors can be accessible to student athletes, right? in the palm of their hand. And so really excited. We we started our service initially just highlighting it with one-on-one student athletes who wanted to sign up um, and got a lot of great feedback to figure out just what's the right cadence of video sessions, what's the right usage of text message. And now we're bringing this to colleges. So colleges who are saying, gosh, I just, I can't find a Dr. Nicholson. Damn it. I really (laughs) wish we had her because she's amazing. You know, we can't, we don't have enough budget for that, or we don't, you know, have the hiring head head count right now. Um, how can we still offer sports counseling services to our athletes? Um, and so that's what we want to provide. And, you know, I don't think that that is a replacement for that in-person, you know, team-based sessions that someone like yourself can do. It's, it's that front line of defense that complement to making sure again the athlete gets support, mental support when they need it, um, and get it from someone who really understands their experience. Yeah. And I know you and I were talking a little earlier about the fact that 
when there's a deficit of resource, right? Sometimes that sport psychologist, the doctor is not, it's not necessarily what is needed. Maybe it's, it would be nice, maybe, you know, but sometimes what is needed is that support, that level of, you know, just, Hey, I want to learn how to have more confidence, not just on the field, but in myself. And, you know, I don't know that that necessitates a doctorate, you know, or, or in person, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this generation of college students coming through is so much more accustomed to connecting over video Mm -hmm. and texting than, gosh, my generation struggles, (laughs) you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Trying to design something that works for the student athlete and the way that they like to communicate and yeah, having that, you know, that, you know, things that we can, that our specialists can deal with, for instance, are coping with injury, right? The mental side Mm -hmm. of dealing with injury. Uh, That's a huge one. Um, dealing with losing your starting position. I remember that. That was, that sucked. (laughs) And how do you, how do you deal in that moment or confidence, performance, anxiety, dealing with failure, high expectation. These are things that we see are a lot of the common issues within our student athlete population. And, you know, we, we want to be that resource for you and help you work through that. Um, give you mental strategies, tips, healthy habits, provide an outlet for you, right? A safe space mm-hmm. where you can vent and uh, have have that thought partner for you and hopefully, you know, catch issues before they turn into more clinical mental health challenges. Yes. Okay. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for recognizing that. Thank you for having this vision and really, I mean, I know that you have worked so hard, not just to develop it, but to develop the right thing. You know, I mean, you have talked to mental health professionals that are in the space. You have, you know, had athletes give you feedback. You have worked really hard to make it something that is really good, you know, and I, I love the thought and the intention and the hard work behind it. And I'm very appreciative for that. Oh, thank you so much. It definitely has been a journey. <laughs> yeah. I will say that. And I'm grateful for our team. I'm grateful for people like you who have provided input for us and let us pick your brain. And yeah, couldn't be doing this without, you know, other people. And it's the conversations with student athletes saying, wow, you know, I talked to my, my huddle sports counselor today and she helped me so much. And, you know, I just, I just, uh, I know I perform great in this, this mat- next match or it's really helping with my confidence. And those are the moments when I know what we're working on is it's really worth it. And, you know, I previously to my huddle, I'd spent 10 years in the tech and corporate world and kind of cut my teeth there. And this is such rewarding work to be taking that skill set and be applying it to a pain point and gaps that I know exist and for a population that I really connect with and really want to serve the student student athlete. And so, you know, now we're we're partnering with schools and it's exciting too to be helping the 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 sports psychologist like you or the college administrator that's looking to build 
more robust mental support. And it's just that question of, well, what does this look like? And, you know, being a thought partner for, for you in, in how to solve that. And so I've just loved these conversations and trying to be a resource and bring people together, right? Like we're a platform connecting athletes to our sports counselors. And, you know, all of that is predicated on having amazing sports counselors uh, that are part of our team and believe in this mission too. You know, we have recruited a diverse team uh, who have backgrounds ranging from sports psychology to mental health, to athletic counseling, to social work. And I really love just getting those different educational backgrounds together and all in the spirit of, you know, how do we provide holistic mental well-being support for the student athlete to help them feel great on and off the field. Love it. If people want to either support my huddle or follow the growth or just tell you what an awesome job you're doing or whatever. <laughs> or give us feedback. How, I'll take that too. <laughs> or give or, or give feedback, right? Um, what are some ways to either follow or connect with my huddle? Yeah, certainly. Well, we have a website. It's www.joinmyhuddle.com. Um, and so you can go there and see more about our services and programs and learn a little bit more about us. Uh, we also have an Instagram um, that is managed by an amazing team of current college student athletes. And so they have a lot of fun content that they put up there. And that's um, on Insta at my huddle. Um, and then, yeah, I also, you know, feel free to email me directly. My, I love connecting with other people passionate about this and, you know, we're only as good as a team that we can build. So if you want to connect with me, my email is Christina at joinmyhuddle.com. I love it. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing, how you're doing it, but also being willing to come on United and share your story and your passion and your vision and the work you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, hopefully maybe we can meet back up on United and get an update. That'd be so fun. Happy, happy to do it. And, and would love that. For sure. Okay. Well, thank you and good luck with everything as it unfolds more and more. So thank you. Thanks so much, Dr. Nicholson. Again, a huge thank you to Christina Vandenberg, as well as our producer, Graham Doty, and our editor, Chelsea Battle. And if you're struggling this time, please reach out to family, friends, or a licensed mental health professional in your area. And we want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about. So please reach out to us at info at Let us know what would be helpful for you or your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it because that helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself. Please take care of others. And always have hope.